For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Schadenfreude, everybody must have screamed, ah, he's a sung hero. Little pushy pushy. Are you back from listening to Stairway to Heaven twice? Now those are just words I looked up on the internet. Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball, starts now. Hello, from the studio in Nitro, West Virginia, this is Unreasonable Doubt. It's a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. I'm Josh Witt. And more news. Is it good? It is not. Kirk Kreese suspended for the first nine games of the 2023-2024 season. He received impermissible benefits. And Arizona's on record saying they didn't do anything wrong. And WVU saying they didn't do anything wrong. And yet Kerr cannot play basketball for the first nine games of the season. So that leaves in a cook a cook has not been cleared medically. He's being monitored. So for Monday's home opener versus Missouri State, they have eight guys available, the Mountaineers. Eight. Eight scholarship guys and Ollie can play. So technically nine. Be shocked if Ollie makes the court. And so given the circumstances from May to the week before the season opener, I don't have a prediction for this team. Battle. May or may not play, not looking good. A cook, a cook, may or may not play. Don't know what the outlook is there, but we all saw what happened on on Friday night, and that was scary. This team has no expectations, no expectations. Like, I'm a big fan of low expectations and, and exceeding those. No expectations, given the events from May to this week. Most of them on the negative side. And Josh Eilert and the coaching staff and the guys playing this season, they've got expectations for themselves. The coaching staff have to prove themselves. They're they're interim. This is their chance to prove that they can get these jobs long term with the Mountaineers. So they're not afforded a a like all this has happened, and then they've still got to go out and perform well enough to keep their jobs. And that stinks given the circumstances. But Eilert is saying the right things. They're not making excuses. They are they're not holding their heads low, that they are they're gonna go for it. And I and that's just I don't have a prediction. I want to see that manifested on the court. What a great story it would be if this team you can't go lower than no expectations. So I think they're going to exceed expectations. That's my, which is zero. They're going to exceed that. I want this season to be memorable. That's what I want in a good way. Remember all, remember everything leading up to that season and then look what they did that season. That's what I want to say at the end of the year. Am I going to be able to do that? 
we're going to find out. But to try to make sense of everything and looking forward, I brought on annual guest Mike Kazaza from earsports.com, 24-7 podcast, covering the Mountaineers. Always a pleasure to talk to Mike to get his insights on the upcoming season. Here's my interview with Mike. All right, Mike Kazaza, welcome back to Full Benefit, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. So this is the real name now. It's not like a play on extra benefits or impermissible benefits. This is the name of the podcast now. It's not a joke or gag on me, right? Um, I don't want to answer that. There are a lot of benefits. Uh, and let's start there. Well, let's not start with benefits. No, it's not the real name of the podcast. Okay, Definitely okay. a bit. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that's the mantra for Josh Eiler with, let's just say, all of the events that have happened uh, between May and now. And I'll start with the first domino, Bob Huggins, in the Coliseum for the exhibition game Friday. This is not your question to answer, but your opinion. Bob Huggins in the building Friday and this season, supporting presence or hovering cloud or both? I think it's a little bit of each. and I'm not sure that he intends to do one or the other, and I'm not even sure that he's mindful of the appearances. I'll tell you this, Josh, like I... I mean, the questions have been asked a couple of times in different capacities when it's been Ren Baker, even Josh, I was like, hey, what relationship would you like to have with Bob Huggins in the future? Uh, remember, this is a place that was going to like put his name in the court. He was going to be the public figure for the Cancer Institute. And things have obviously changed in that regard. But everybody kind of said when the time is right, you know, let's let's get to a spot where we can make it work. Let's bring him back in the fold. There was never a no. It wasn't even a not now. It was just like it was an undetermined answer to the question. But you'll notice that charity exhibition was for the Children's Hospital. It was not for the Norma Ray Huggins. Google Norma Ray Huggins Cancer Foundation and see where that is now. I'll let you do that while I continue talking, right? <laughs> okay, okay. A little, a little, uh, a little uh, interactive. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll react in the moment. All right, go all right, ahead. A little cliffhanger while I continue on here. <laughs> um, so... I wondered, you know, if they would bring him back because maybe they do put the name on the court. Maybe he continues to do really good stuff. Maybe there just comes to the point where like, this is stupid. Let's bury the hatchet and everybody gets together. And this year, next year, whatever. But I was like, I wonder if or when they'll bring him back. I wonder if he'll show up for a game this year. I wonder if he'll be invited to come see them play, you know, whomever, Cincinnati, Kansas, whatever. Just was curious before, after the schedule came out. And he's there for an exhibition game. I don't think anybody needs to grant Bob Huggins permission to use a, a, a friend's tickets to come to a game or an exhibition game i'm not saying that he needs to give west virginia a heads up i just thought it was odd that people were texting me like people josh were texting me going is this true because they sent me like the tweet i'm like yeah i'm looking right at him or like i text people hey were you aware of this nope wasn't aware of it does that mean that like everybody at the school didn't know no but the people i talked to about relying for information didn't know he was going to be there so that was strange to me that's it like, he's really tight with Josh. Um, these first three games of the season, he was going to be Huggins' replacement when Huggins was suspended. And that was by Huggins' decree. Um, he brought Josh with him from Kansas State. He developed him as a video coordinator into a director of operations and gave him his break as an assistant coach. Like, there's absolutely a bond there. Um, but he wasn't, like, in Josh Hyler's seats. He wasn't behind the bench. He wasn't in, like, the WVU envoy. So that was unusual to me. But, again, you're... You're telling Bob Huggins that he can or can't come to a game. I don't know what to make of that. I really don't. 
I just know what I've heard before in the aftermath of the resignation slash retirement. I know the things I still hear now. I know what I anticipate to be at least a storyline in March or April. I don't think this is going away anytime soon. I just think that was an interesting way to start things. Now, have you finished your homework assignment? I have. And it is, it's not totally shocking, but definitely there is still a website for the endowment fund that was that is now partnering not with WVU, uh, with another hospital entity in the state. Curious. I don't know. That's a strange thing. It was going so well before. It wasn't broke. Uh, I don't know. Perhaps there's some logical reason to switch it to the place they're at. he has it at now. I don't know. But that's one of those things that just you look at now and you go, that's strange. And you see him at a game really, really early. Like, like Huggins is kind of like, I shouldn't say famous, but like he'd be doing all of his last minute stuff over the practice facility before a game. And he'd be hustling in like an hour before tip. My man was there like 90 minutes, two hours before the game the other night, just hanging out, taking pictures. And to his credit, man, everybody who came over, warm reception or a picture or a conversation or a hug. I mean, he still obviously is a very big figure who means a lot to people here. And, you know, part of me can say, this is so strange that they shouldn't have done this. And part of me can say, like, you know what? This is how you get back to normal. You know, you tear that bandaid off and just say, listen, this needs to be right. Let's make it right. And if that's the first step, that's great, too. It. It's it's weird and and it's just going to happen no matter when that starts being weird, but it is a first step. I don't know the answer either, Mike, and I don't know what to make of that other than that's another weird thing that has to be addressed. And it and it has been addressed in regards to the normal Ray Huggins fund. Um, Here's another weird question using 2019 football terminology. Oh, God. Can an interim head coach in basketball have a year zero? Now you're doing this on purpose to me, right? <laughs> Correct. Okay. Um, no, because no, because this is you his can't, life, right? No, but this is it. This you don't get a year zero. It's the audition. You know, you go to you know, audition for a play or a movie or or interview for a job, and you don't get to like do it over and start again and like hey can we try that back no i saw what i needed to see in this expanded time for you too like do you ever watch um i think you should leave or yeah i think you should leave i have the first skit where they do the job interview and he gets up and he pushes or he pulls the door but it's actually a push right and the guy that interviews him goes up oh, it's a push and tim robinson goes actually it, it does both and he continues to pull the door until it comes off the hinge that's because you can't start over like, you don't get to, like, can we do this again? Did this not happen? No, everything happens. And I, I don't know what the win-loss record is going to be at the end. I, I would, the people that I speak with that are, that are, you know, periphery or in the core of this thing could not be more impressed with what he's done so far. And, you know, similar to Brown right now, I don't know what at the end of this process you would have to yet learn about the coach and his, his capacities. If, if, if Josh can navigate this, and get this team NCAA tournament or on the bubble, whatever, he's going to have shown you so much in the presence of so much that what could you sit down with the search committee and say, hey, can he do this? Is he capable of this? Like he's slowly going to cross off every one of those items. And a lot of the ones that you might struggle to answer, like a lot of those interview questions that you might struggle to answer, he's getting those out of the way right now. And I'm, that's not what he wants to do what he has to do right now. And that's going to go a long way toward the decision that Rem Baker ultimately makes. 
And that makes sense. And I'm asking a year zero question, obviously, because of where the program finds itself. You're going into opening night with, uh, unless we hear something on Raekwon Battle, and unless we hear different new, I think it's been determined the day that a cook is out for Monday. Mm-hmm. So going into Monday's game, you have Bembry, Seth, Kobe, Offrey, Josiah, Edwards, Sumnick, and Slazinski. That's eight scholarship players available. Creesa out, Battle TBD, a Cook TBD. What, with all of that around him, what? Farrakhan, is there? Farrakhan has to sit out too. And Farrakhan is a scholarship player, but he's not playing this year. So you've got eight that can play on Monday and eight, and let's be optimistic and say 10 uh, within the first nine games. What can WVU's record be during Crease's nine-game suspension going to UMass? What record can they have where they can feel hopeful, not for NCAA tournament, but any kind of postseason prospects? I've got six and three in my head, but give me your thoughts. Is there a record or is it, is it doesn't matter? Let's get past that and just keep moving. Well, I'll give you a little bit of hope first. West Virginia has to turn in those. Um, basically, when you when you work on an appeal, there are weekly Tuesday deadlines, and so when they found out last, well, I think Monday, right, they weren't going to hurry an appeal, even if they were close to finish, or maybe they should have had to finish. But they weren't. They were not yet ready, but they're going to turn in the next day. They turned it in time for the Tuesday deadline of this week. Why do they have weekly deadlines? Probably because they have like weekly adjudications, and. Just by looking at when they initially declined Battle's waiver, when I look back at some stories about other waivers that were declined, whether it's West Virginia or at large, a lot of them have Monday dates. I wonder if they don't know something about Battle by Monday. Hypothesizing there. Um, and then right. how that's going to go, I, I'm not confident in that, just for what I've known about this all along, what I've kind of said. I mean, 50-50 is obviously the truth. It's going to happen or it doesn't. Um, now we know it's probably not quite 50-50 because this is like overturning a, a play in football on instant replay, right? You're going to have to have indisputable evidence now to really overturn this. And you're going into people who are compliance employees at different conferences and universities, not NCAA people. So they're going to look at this through a particular lens. Just not confident there. But it could be great news for a program that is certainly in need of. Um, yeah. To your point about the win-loss record, it's really good because – there are games that you look at and you go, man, they really need to beat like, you know, just like the, some of the power names on there. Could be Wisconsin, Virginia, could be Pitt, could be St. John's. I don't know about that. If you lose those games, that's OK. It's not great, but like you're bound to lose sometimes a game against a good opponent. They cannot lose to nobodies. And that's what would really hurt. So if they go six and three, but they lose to Missouri State. Bellarmine and Jacksonville State, something like that. They went six and three, but they had three horrendous losses. You know, if they go seven and two, but they lose two home games to bad teams, that hurts. So it's it's a sliding scale here a little bit, and this is not a cop out answer, but you know, I think they probably need to go at least one and one in Fort Myers to feel good about that. And then you know, they who do they lose to at home is going to be a big deal. They they probably. Would want to start three and zero on the three game homestand because those are not good opponents. I think Missouri State will be kind of frisky. Um, can't say much about the other two so far, and then go one and one. So now if you're four and one, all right, good. You can get your feet beneath you. Maybe you know something about battle by then. Who knows? Um, but again, like the number is one thing, but I think like 
avoiding home losses to these nobody teams or these mid-major or low-major teams, that's what's going to be powerful because sure, they'll look back and say, eh, you know, lost to, again, hypothetical, they lost to Jacksonville State. Well, they had nobody. They had eight guys, right? So that, that, will they remember that? Will they not? But it still kills your RPI and all that stuff too. So, um, you know, certainly avoiding some landmines would be good. But the trouble is like they're all landmines at this point right now because the, the, the margin might already be so thin that losses are just going to hurt you that much. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Agreed. And, and I'm taking it from one and one in Fort Myers, split the pit in St. John's, and then have, cannot lose against the others. And, yep. then, and then you kind of go from there. And so with the short staff, obviously, and what we saw Friday defensively, this is a, a hypothetical, but I, it's got to come. What do you think will be the first zone defense we'll see from WBU? And I'm <laughs> assuming we're going to see it Monday night. Yeah, um, probably already happened because they're just not going to let a lot of light into what's going on with like Creasa and things like that. So they're zoning us out on some of the public information there. So maybe they're already uh, kind of, they're good at the deception and the, the sleight of hand, but they're going to have to. They're going to have to play zone. Um, and then I, I just wonder about, like, would a 1-3-1 one, one be smart and just hide Kobe under the basket? Because suddenly he's a guy that's, you know, he shouldn't be cast in this role right now, but he's going to be in that role for nine games. So, like, could they do 1-3-1? One, one? It's going to require, like, 1-3-1 one, one's not, not exactly, like, I know zones are kind of passive, but, like, 1-3-1's one, not really a passive zone. You're really jumping around and moving and extending yourself a little bit, too. It's not like a 2-3 where you just kind of rotate. You know, those some 2-3s can be active. But can you keep Kobe away from the ball and ball screens up top? Um, but then the trouble is you're putting another guard there. So now you're you're striking your depth at your other position that isn't very deep. So that that could be difficult. Um, I, I do think about that. I wonder about, you know, can they play 1-3-1 one, one and keep Kobe, like, under the basket where, then, you know, and he's, is he smart enough to not rebound? Okay. Can it, can he let Slazinski and, and Harris or Edwards and Harris or some combination of forwards do that? And he can box out. That might be a way to protect him and keep him on the floor. I just think that like what I've seen about their defense and, and Eilert does say that he wants to maintain a lot of Huggins principles. I would assume that's probably man to man stuff. Cause what Huggins does on defense is studying copy by a lot of people, but a lot of that stuff too, where, you know, force the ball to one half and keep it over there. 
you can do that in like a, a matchup of point drop or something like that. So that could be like a two, three form. I, I think you'll probably see, that's my guess here. You'll see them do a lot of two, three stuff where the ball gets confined and you jump on the ball when it enters your zone and you play that way. But I would certainly give some thought to a one, three, one and kind of being one. You probably see multiple zones in my guess, but I would, I would wonder about a one, three, one. And you got some guys who played one, three, one, two that are on the coaching staff and know how to do it. Um, and just find a way to protect, hide, whatever, Kobe. And we're hiding Kobe, and I agree. And and on the back line, you know, you're you're sprinting to um yeah. to the corners, so it's not a passive at all, but how to protect him. And we're talking about protecting him, Mike, because Jeremiah Bimbry, uh DNP in the exhibition. What's your guess on why he didn't log minutes in the charity exhibition and why we're not factoring him in as part of the equation where it screams? Uh, you only have seven guys at the current status without Jeremiah. What's his fit in your estimation going to be with this season's team? Yeah, when you do something like this, when you have an issue like this, it's like football, Josh. Um, people look at like, oh, they lost their linebacker, starting linebacker. They did. They also lost their backup linebacker. It's the backup being the starter. So now you're replacing a starter with a backup, and you're replacing a backup with a guy who didn't play. So now you're replacing Kerr with Kobe Johnson. And you're replacing Kobe Johnson with Jeremiah Bembry. So you're really replacing two and, and just using one. So it's that's a it's a weird math, but you think about it that way, you start to understand like how profound this is at different spots because now they've lost, you know, whether it's by transfer or ineligibility, it's multiple people, which means a multiple link in the chain there too. So he's gonna have to play though. Um, you're not like you can do stuff and you can get away with half courts where like, all right, Quinn Slazinski seems smart. Could he be point forward for us? Could Seth Wilson you know, break some pressure or could he take the ball at the court and give the point guard a break? You can do that situation. That's that's more um bug than feature, you know. That's your way around some certain some fatigue issues or get to a timeout or or let your guy get a breath. That's not gonna be how they run it. So they're gonna need point guards and they just they have two and one's not really a point guard and one has never bounced a ball in a college basketball game. That's concerning. So, like, can Kobe Johnson do it? That's fine. But if he does get tired, which is human nature, if he does get in foul trouble, which is maybe to be expected um, or forgiven at least, but you, you go with a guy like Bembry, who is probably looks like a two guard, but has the one guard pedigree, just hasn't played. Um, did play in the exhibition, the secret scrimmage, I guess, against the, uh, as I saw on Twitter that you reported. You reported. Well, against but ben. you didn't, does that count as a report? That, yeah. I well, it's know. a secret. It's a it's secret. A secret. You had to look no, you're, we're, <laughs> we're dealing in. Yes, we're dealing in the shadows here. But yes. So, so Vanderbilt, he did play and, and they kind of like what he did. How he doesn't get in that game, I don't know. But, you know, he's not part of the plan would be my read there. And at that point, they were trying to not lose an exhibition game against George Mason, which is a team that has a ton of transfers and a first year head coach. A plight that's not too different from West Virginia's. And I think they just shortened things up and they went to their good guys and the people they trust that can do the things they know the best and the most. And that's what they did, which means he does not factor into that. That's going to have to change pretty quick. Um, did ask Eilert about that when we talked to him on Thursday and said, you know, if there's foul trouble, if you got to get Kobe out, yeah, I'm probably going to go with Bembry. Not absolutely, not definitely, but probably going to go with Bembry. Uh, but again, like if not, who? And then that's fine. All right, you put Seth Wilson in. That's your starting two. Who plays It's a two? numbers game. That's right. It is. It's a numbers game where you got to figure that out. And I can't imagine Jeremiah not. That is a tepid response by Coach Eilert. Yeah. Could that be me reading into that? I mean, the answer is probably not. Probably it's probably 
you know, uh, I don't know, reluctantly, assuredly, confidently. I'm not sure. There's probably a better word to put there. And I don't want to parse that too much. But like, I just, right. I just don't see a way around where he's not getting you, you know, six minutes a half right now, which is crazy when you think about it, because we haven't seen him and don't know much about him. But this is where we're at. And this is where uh, he has to factor in. So we'll wrap up, Mike, with uh, some rapid fire. I'm going to call this the confidence survey. All right. One least confident, mo- 10 most confident. Um, give me your number. Raekwon Battle plays for WVU in the 2023-2024 season. Mike, a seven and a half. Okay. Raekwon Battle plays for WVU ever. Oh, 10. I've got Jose not- Perez in my mind on that one, and that's unfair to Raekwon, but it's uh, that's something that happened here. <laughs> He's got a year left, so if he doesn't get it this year, I don't know that he leaves um he's not an nba player right now so does he have a year where he could do it sure um i just realized i said seven and a half and i said i wasn't confident for him getting uh getting cleared can i can i lower that number drop it yeah yeah drop it probably i mean part of me is like i just think that they deserve something good to happen or something will happen but that's not how this works so when I, if i revise that number in my head i'm not I'm just not confident about it i probably put it at the five which is in the middle but you know it probably depends on how i feel it could be a four it could be a six but give me a five Okay. Bob Huggins is a podcaster during the 2024-2025 college basketball season. One. I agree with that. WVU plays in a postseason tournament at the end of this season. Not the NCAA specifically. Any postseason tournament in 23-24. You know, here's the good one, because I have not yet sat down and figured out how the new NIT works. That's a mess. I got to figure it's that out. It's wild. It is. Uh, less mid-majors in theory. Um, so, yeah, I don't know the specifics talking to you right now about it, but they definitely change it, not for the betterment of non-Power 6 schools. So my read on that would be that they're already letting some sub-500 teams in from the Power 5 or the Power whatever major conferences, and now that seems like it's more friendly to the major conferences, so there's a greater chance that they get scooped up. But if you look at this roster – there's no way you're devoting home games and payouts for CBI games. So you lose that a little bit. Um, I'm not sure it's an NCAA tournament team. So I would probably go on this one. I'd probably put this at like a six. Okay. Kansas is the big 12 regular season champion for 2023, 2024. About a nine there. Who's number two? Houston's good. Yeah. It's a mix, right? Because Houston in theory, but Houston joining the big 12, that rarely does that. Now, Houston would be the team that could do it, given they picked up Cryer and what they have annually. But that that move to the Big 12 doesn't assure them second. Baylor is based on talent and Texas, new coach and a lot of turnover. And so there's like two through five TCU kind of sneaky there, Kansas State. So it's like a big glob that could be two within my head, Kansas above that. Of course, Bill Self is not uh, thrilled with the two exhibition games, and they lost to Illinois, but uh, I have a feeling with that roster, they can figure that out. You know, they have got a hole in their backcourt, too, because they were relying on Arterio Morris to play a bunch, and that's a guy that was a major recruit when he went to Texas and has never clicked there, and then he left, and Texas didn't seem too upset about that, and then obviously he's gotten some significant trouble since then, and now like that's a guy who might have played or played a lot, and now you know Kansas is... Kansas runs like cold and hot. They're either very deep or they don't have any depth. And like, this seems like a team that's probably going to have a great top six or seven. 
And I don't know, there might be some guys like that you look at and go, how was that guy killing me on this night? Like how was it? Cause he's just a part of the system and he's developed. So watch out for them. It's just finding their ways, but um, that might be a team that loses some early, you know, like we've seen some exhibitions, whatever, but I'm going to assume they play a tough non-conference schedule. They might look bad on one night or two nights, but also because their firepower is so heavy up top, they might boat race some teams early on and look really good too. Nine for Kansas. All right, final two questions. They're Coach Eilert questions. Um, confidence survey. Josh Eilert is the head coach for WVU after this season. Yeah, probably about a four there, just because uh, this this is more of a – I think it's going to be very hard for him to do it at a level that impresses everybody but also makes it easy for Rem Baker to say, like, we got to do this because this might not be Arthur's fault necessarily. I mean, it absolutely isn't. But just look at what Rem Baker's done so far. And this isn't like a Baker thing, but – did not move on Brown when there was a lot of momentum to move on Brown. Hired a women's basketball coach that he knew, which is maybe a good hire. Um, did not get to really pull any of the levers on the search for a baseball coach. And now when he wanted to go out and like they talked to big names for the basketball job and it just didn't work out because it wasn't no, it was not now. Well, when? Two years from now? Five years from now? Because if you commit to either, you really you can't do a two-year deal. You're going to give him many, many years. But I just wonder if that's a bridge that Baker does not want to cross because maybe he wants to do something to really be proactive about how he shapes the athletic department. And you've seen some major jobs change hands already or he hasn't had a chance to change the jobs. But I don't think he's gotten a chance to really manipulate things the way that he wants in the direction that he wants. And this is going to be sitting there for him on a tee to do something that may be a good story for Josh Eilert. And he might be extremely capable, but it might be really hard for him to do what he has to do which means involve so many other people um, and not look outside and say, you know, what? we had all these names before and we decided to come back to Josh. We can't ignore that now. So I just, it's a, it's a circumstantial thing too, but I don't think that works in Josh's favor. Yeah. And so that leads me to a final question. Josh Eilert is a not interim head coach ever. He'll, he'll, survey. I, that's, that's the thing too. Like I really hope that other ADs are watching now. Or like this was part of the dossier because c- could he be like a, a a group of five coach or you know eventually a power five coach? Absolutely too. I think that I think he's going to learn this year about what it takes and he's going to get a lot of fans and a lot of support in the community of coaching. Um, maybe not in the stands or Mountaineer Nation or whatever like that. Maybe I'm wrong there. I think I think he's a likable guy with a great story to tell. That hopefully one day he gets to tell. But right now all the stories are about what's happening above him and beneath him. Right, the the roof is caving in and the floor is crumbling. And how does he maintain? He says he's riding a boogie board all the time, too. But like, I think just anecdotally, like, I don't think people realize he lived on like an Indian reservation for two years. And that's part of the connection with the Raekwon battle cases, because maybe this guy can actually help someone who lived in an Indian reservation live far away from an Indian reservation and maybe supplement some of that lifestyle. Takes one to know one. Right. But like, I don't know how many people know that of the circumstances of it, too. So there's a lot to his story. Um, and then, by the way, I think he's going to be an effective recruiter. He's put a good staff together for this situation, but it's also a guy who has a lot of contacts. And I think he could go to different parts of the country or different conferences and find, um, you know, not, I'm not saying he's going to bring McCabe and Ruoff and Butler with him, but he could find people who profile like that in that program or in that that conference or in that that basketball community. I just think he's going to be good at the at the job. I'm just not sure that it's this job. And I hope that makes sense. It doesn't come across like an insult. I just think it's going to be very hard for him to get through and to end up where he wants to end up. He's been dealt a tough hand, but there's no excuses. Full benefit. So, Mike, appreciate you uh, making your annual visit. By to- the way, 
full, yes. full benefit's a great shot, isn't it? <laughs> like, I know it's the Navy SEAL thing, and like the tweet came out after the extra benefit news came out, right? Am I wrong there? No, I think I think that you've got the right uh, chain of events. I like it. So uh, kudos to him. Maybe maybe I should change my tenor on that. Maybe maybe he does deserve the job because if you slap around the NCAA a little bit, more power to you. Absolutely. Mike, thanks for joining me on Full Benefit, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. Thanks a lot, Josh. I appreciate it. Unreasonable Down is under the Smoking Musket umbrella. Go to smokingmusket.com to read about WVU sports from a fan's perspective. Listen to another podcast under the Smoking Musket umbrella, West by Pod, about WVU football. Jordan and Joel break it down every week. BYU's coming to town to play some football. West Virginia's trying to get bowl eligible with the win over the Cougars. West Virginia just got another Big 12 road victory. Check that podcast out. Follow Smoking Musket on X at Smoking Musket. Do all that. Smoking Musket. Big thanks to Mike for joining me on the podcast. Read his stuff on earsports.com. Listen to Country Roads Confidential. West Virginia opens the season Monday, November 6th at home, 7 p.m. Coliseum, ESPN Plus versus Missouri State. What do I know about Missouri State? Uh, Lamont West went there for his last college season. That's it. They were picked sixth in the Missouri Valley Conference preseason poll. The rare sixth place with one first place vote. A bunch of votes for Drake, a bunch of votes for Northern Iowa. Skip a few spots. Sixth place Missouri State with one first place vote. Donovan Clay, 6'8 forward. He's on the first team. They played super slow last year under Dana Ford. And the year before that, they played super slow. So expect a slow pace from Missouri State. And that's all the expectations I have. I am super excited to see. (laughs) I am. Are you excited? The season ticket sales are going really well. I'm, it's, this is a, the totally different feeling of any other feeling going into a season. Uh, there's so much unknown and so much adversity to overcome. Can they do it? We're going to find out together, and it starts Monday. That's it for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. Listen on all the platforms or just pick one. Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Overcast Podcasts, YouTube. Until next time, I'm Josh Witt. WVU under Coach Josh Eilert for the 2023-2024 season. They have zero wins and they have zero losses. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.